Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. In this service, uh, we begin with a prayer in the liturgy, and so I do ask you to please stand. Lord God, you are the God of all mercy. When we sin, you promise to forgive us through the blood of your Son. As we reflect on the sacrifice which Jesus made so that we might be free of our own sin, bless us with your presence. Allow us to experience the depth of your love for us through the precious gift we will receive in the hearing of your word. In the name of Jesus, may be seated for the opening hymn. Please stand once more for the invocation. In the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You who are God's people have gathered here to be forgiven. God promises his people that as they humbly confess their sins to him, 
that they will be forgiven because Jesus' blood justifies them. The Holy Spirit moves each of us to confess our sins to God, accept his free gift, which is ours in and through his son, Jesus Christ, and to receive his forgiveness. Take a moment to contemplate your sins of this day and past days, confessing them to the Lord. The Lord hears all who turn to him, humbly confessing their sins and relying on Jesus' all-atoning sacrifice for forgiveness. Listen to these words God provides for us through the Apostle Paul. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. As a called and ordained servant of God, I announce to you that your sins are forgiven. Live in peace. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening. Uh, it's great to be here with you this evening as we kick off the season of Lent. Uh, and tonight, uh, I wanted to do a reading for you. Um, from Luke 22, verses 1 through 13. And it might not be a typical uh, Ash Wednesday reading, but uh, yeah, let's go for it. Luke 22, verses 1 through 13. Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted, and they agreed to give him money. So he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand over Jesus to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? Where, uh, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs. It'll be all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. This is the word of the Lord. So Passover was this really uh, holy time for Jewish people, right? It was a holy time for Jews, but it was also a celebration of thanksgiving. The Passover was a celebration of thanksgiving in remembrance of uh, what had happened to the 
ancient ancestors of the Jews and how, the, uh, how God had come and saved his people in a miraculous way. Well, it was also a memorial of the beginning of their new life as people were headed toward the land of milk and honey. So it, it was this annual celebration. Is that me? It was this annual celebration of deliverance. So think of it this way. Passover was like the 4th of July, Thanksgiving. Um, is that your mic? That's weird. I'm going to switch to a handheld here in a second. Hey, Chris, can you do that for me? I don't know. Oh, can I use that handheld right there? So anyway, let me start over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was this celebration. It was a Thanksgiving. It was, uh, it was like the 4th of July, all wrapped up in this holy celebration. As part of the preparation, the Jewish people, they would sweep out all the yeast in their, in their house, right? They would methodically, uh, meticulously sweep out all the yeast in their house. And in the Bible, you see, yeast is this picture of sin in our life. Yeast is this picture of sin in, 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 our, in our hearts. And the people wanted to show gratitude to God for making them his people by visibly dedicating themselves to God. And so this ritual would happen where people would make sure there's not any yeast in their house at all. And during this special week-long festival, uh, they ate bread without yeast. And, and this would remind them of the haste that they had to leave. When they had to leave Egypt, they had to go. They had no time to waste. And that's part of the reason, besides yeast representing sin, but they had to leave. But even as the festival of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching, the chief priests and the experts in the law. So keep in mind, this is like the celebration of celebrations. Thanksgiving, the 4th of July, all those fun things wrapped into this holy celebration. And the chief priests had one thing on their minds, not celebrating what God had done, not celebrating what had happened in the past, not celebrating where they were headed. But they had one thing on their minds, and that one thing was to put Jesus Christ to death. And the reason they wanted to put Jesus Christ to death was because they were afraid of his people. So even as God's people were preparing for a holy time, rededicating themselves to their faithful practices, trying to get closer to God. The spiritual leaders of the day were plotting to kill God's only son. So, in the reading today, there's this character that all of us have heard of, Judas Iscariot. Judas. We see and think of Judas, and we think of somebody who is a betrayer, 
here's the thing. Judas Iscariot at one time was one of the most trusted disciples of Jesus Christ. One of the most trusted disciples of Jesus Christ. But you see, Judas was nursing some grudges against Jesus. Judas was nursing some grudges that he held against Jesus. Judas was still kind of simmering from this rebuke that he had received about Judas's greed at the supper in Bethany less than a week ago. You see, like Cain, Judas allowed sin to not only crouch at his door, but to take residence in his house. Satan, of course, is the enemy of Christ. None of us would say anything else. Satan is the absolute enemy of Christ, and he's our enemy. And when Judas was simmering with anger about being rebuked from Jesus, that's when Satan pounced Judas. I was teaching theology. I teach theology out at the academy now. And um, we were talking about how Satan comes into our lives and attacks us. And you remember the story of when Jesus is tempted, right? Jesus is tempted. He's out in the wilderness, and he, and he fasts, right? And right at that moment, can you imagine, first of all, I've never fasted for 40 days. I'm sure I probably won't. Uh, but fasting for that period of time. And then Satan rushes in and says, hey, I know you're probably hungry. Why don't you turn this rock into, into to bread? You can eat this. You'll be fine. And how does Jesus respond? He uses scripture to say, bread, man cannot live on bread alone. And then Satan comes again, takes him to the top of a, a temple and says, just throw yourself off and, and, and God, he'll save you. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. And then he takes him out and he shows him the whole, Satan shows him the whole countryside. And he says, look at this. You can be the ruler of all this. And Jesus says, be gone. Every time Jesus is tempted by Satan, he uses Scripture to defend. And so, here's the thing for tonight. There's two points that I want to make. Satan is alive and well, and he tempts us, and he tries to get us off the path, each and every one of us as believers. He did it to one of the most trusted people. This message tonight should be two th parts. Number one, a warning message to every Christian and a comforting message to every Christian. Let me explain. It was two reasons that Satan comes in, and then the Holy Spirit adds this reminder, who was one of the 12, for two reasons. The most important reason was that um, it fulfilled Scripture. David had written in Psalm 41.9, even a man who was at peace with me, a man whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has raised up his heel to step on me. Secondly, it's a sobering reminder to every one of us that we could fall into such a sin, for we too are Christ's disciples. Every one of Christ's disciples that night would forsake Jesus Christ. As we begin this season of Lent, 
pondering just how powerful our sinful flesh can be. Pondering just how powerful our mind kind of just says that sin is okay, and we negate it. We were reminded that Judas was once a very trusted man, that his fellow apostles put so much confidence in Judas that they made him Jesus' treasurer. That was the most trusted position of all the disciples. He was their money guy. And Judas turned from being one of the most trusted disciples to being an embezzler. To being an embezzler. But the Holy Spirit tells us this about an ugly incident that happened less than a week before this holy night. You see, Mary of Bethany wanted to thank Jesus for coming and raising her brother Lazarus from the dead. Wanted to thank Jesus for it. And he actually, Jesus healed another member of the family too. And so um, Mary of Bethany comes, and you know the story, probably she has this very expensive cologne. And she wants to anoint Jesus with this perfume, cologne. And right away, Judas said, what are you doing? Pouring this out. This could be sold, and we could feed the hungry. We could feed the poor. And that's a very noble idea, for sure. But Judas wasn't interested in feeding the poor at this point. His heart had already become hardened. Judas knew that he was in charge of the money, and he wanted to embezzle more. He held the money bag, it says in John 12, 4, 6, and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus then rebukes Judas. That makes Judas angry. It made Judas frustrated. It made Judas's heart hard. And Judas ignored a loving warning from Jesus that Judas's greed had become a barrier to his faith. Judas's greed had become a barrier to his faith. And so he agreed to sell Jesus for the amount that he was basically shorted that night in Bethany. He agreed to sell Jesus off for the money that he probably would have made in Bethany that night. Judas was even willing to accept 10 cents on the denarii, but Judas was. So here's the thing. What is that warning that Jesus speaks? How does that speak to us tonight, 2,000 years later? What temptation would Jesus point to in your life, that is in, that's a danger of getting out of hand. What temptation would Jesus point to in your life that's in danger of getting out of hand? For Judas, it was greed, one of the most trusted disciples. If it can happen to Judas, it can happen to any of us. This is a warning example. Judas was so arrogant in his sin that he came to dinner with Jesus. How arrogant. And, and, and then trying to act like nothing was wrong. But there's also a comforting message tonight. Ash Wednesday isn't known for its comfort. But there is a comforting message. And it, there's a place at the table for you. I thought about that today. 
Judas really screwed up. Judas was put in this place of honor, and he screwed it up. And Jesus knew it. And you know what Jesus still did? He still had a place for him at the table. That's powerful. And it should be comforting because all of us know, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us deserve a seat at that table. Judas certainly didn't. You see, Jesus set a meal before his apostles that night, not just the Passover lamb, but Jesus set before them that night something that was about to change the world, something that we still celebrate 2,000 years later. For the first time in history, Jesus had holy communion with his, with his disciples. He said, take and eat, this is my body. And I bet you those disciples sitting around that table that night that didn't deserve his place at that dinner table, I bet they were confused because they sat there and they were thinking, we're going to have a Passover. And Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, which is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Jesus continues today, commands that we continue this today, that we would celebrate his meal until he returns. And he knows that we're going to continue to mess up. He knows that we're going to continue to occasionally be unfaithful. And certainly sin is a big deal. And we will continue to struggle with temptations, with worries, with idols in our heart. And those idols will prevent us from having the full devotion to Jesus that many of us long to have. But the point of Lent isn't how devoted you are. The point of Lent is not, the point of the Lenten season is not how devoted to Christ you are. The point of this 40 days, not counting Sundays, is how devoted Christ is to you. How devoted Christ is to you. Through your pain, through your agony, through your sin, Christ is devoted to you. You see, he sanctifies us. And when he comes into our heart, he sanctifies us. He sets it apart. He says, man, this person belongs to me. So we get to the imposition of ashes. Tonight, um, we have those, uh, we have ashes. And maybe you're relatively new to the Lutheran church, or maybe you've never had ashes on your forehead before. Um, here's the thing. The ash mark that sits on our forehead makes us feel marked because we're marked. The ashes designate that we are real sinners. And this is something the most of the world refuses to hear. Most of the world will say, I'm a pretty good person. I've never killed anybody. The ash represents our sinful nature. But here's the good news. The ash is done in the form of a cross. I'm glad we don't do it like we used to do it back in the old days, in the Old Testament time, where you would pull sackcloth on and then somebody would come and dump an entire bag of ashes. That's very expensive and pretty dusty. Um, so we're just going to stick with this method. But 
this is something when I first got my first ash on my head, I remember going to the bathroom right after service and washing it off because I was embarrassed that when I go to Target after here, somebody might see me. And I didn't want to be prideful about it either. But I was thinking about this, <laughs> and maybe it is a little embarrassing to go around town. But the point is, that's the point. It is a little bit embarrassing to wear our sins on our forehead and to remember that we are chosen and picked and loved by a Savior. The prophet Ezekiel placed a mark upon the foreheads of the faithful in his day so that they would live. Now the glory of God of Israel, this is from Ezekiel 9.4, the glory of God of Israel went up from above the cherubim where it had been and moved to the threshold of the temple. Then the Lord called to the man clothed in the linen who had uh, the writing kit at the side and said to him, go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the forehead of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things they have done. And the New Testament Jesus says this, Woe to you, Corazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, then they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ash. You see, the Bible, in the Bible, the ashes have a twofold meaning as a sign of our human mortality and a sign of our public repentance. Don't be ashamed of what Christ has done. In addition to marking us as sinners, ashes made in the sign of a cross proclaim that our hope and confidence truly rest in Christ, the Christ who was crucified and rose on the third day to take that shame and that fear and that anger away from each and every one of us. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder of Judas tonight. Once a trusted member of the inner circle and how quickly pride and ego and sin can take us down a path that none of us want to go down. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us tonight during these next 40 days before Easter that we can truly come before you, truly repent of those things that are distancing us from you, and that we would be reminded that we're forgiven so we can come together on Easter morning and celebrate the most miraculous day in human history. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Please rise. Ashes symbolize our sinful state before God. Because we do sin, the ashes remind us of the fact that we will die because of our sins. Yet they also suggest cleansing and renewal. They point to the gift which God gives of forgiveness in Christ. Those who desire to receive ashes may come forward. Amen. You may be seated, and just a reminder that despite the liturgy, we're asking you to remain seated 
and we will come to you. Again, if you wish to receive ashes, when you see us come to your row, just go ahead and stand up, and then we will come to you for the imposition of ashes. Please rise. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You may be seated.
Now may this body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Go in peace. And you can remain seated as we give our evening tithes and offerings. Lord God, you have given us an opportunity for reflection and meditation during these 40 days. Jesus' blood was part of the sacrifice which was given. He had to die for us. His blood was spent for us. His blood was poured out for us. The required sacrifice was made so that we might be saved. Jesus' blood made us blood relatives of his. We are brothers and sisters in him because of the sacrifice which he made for all people. We are ecstatic in the knowledge that heaven is our home, both now and when we die. God has promised us that we will be with him forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. John's words tell of the promise that God has delivered through his Son. Go now and live in the peace that comes from knowing that you are brothers and sisters through the lifeblood sacrifice of Jesus.
Now go in peace and serve the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.